You're listening to the Trinity Ministries podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. Well, again, uh, welcome. Um, we are actually, if you're just joining us this week, if, if you've been gone through, through the holidays and haven't been around, um, we're actually finishing up a series this uh, today called The Bridge Love Builds. And for those of you who have been around um, and were here for Christmas, we actually started the series on Christmas Eve. And we talked about, if you remember way back then, it feels like 18 years ago Christmas was. Uh, but if you remember back then, we talked about um, how God sent Jesus into the world to bridge humanity to God. That, as Corinthians says, in, in him, all things are being reconciled to God, not just human beings, but all of creation is being reconciled to, uh, to God through Christ. Jesus is that bridge. And when he came, when Jesus came to earth, he had one mission and one mission only, and that was this, to seek and to save people. That was his mission. And what's, what's so amazing about Jesus, if you do any reading at all about him and you do any study on comparing his, him with all the other religious leaders and teachers of the day, people totally dug him. They thought he was the, the greatest, uh, not only just the cool teacher, but they just gravitated toward him because his message was different. His presentation was different. And uh, Pastor Anthony Stanley says it like this, which I really like. What's amazing about Jesus is that people who weren't like him liked him. If you read the Gospels, people that weren't like Jesus at all really liked him. And, and the reason is, is because with Jesus, people felt heard. They felt loved. You know, whenever he taught, they were about, he was, you know, crowds would gather, but he was never too busy or too unfocused not to stop for somebody and talk to them one-on-one. And because of, and, and Jesus, for Jesus, unlike for us, but for Jesus, as he looked out at the masses and he, as he interacted with people, he saw people fit into two categories. And these were basically Jesus' only two categories that he dealt with and, and, and thought through. The two categories of people are people who knew God and people who didn't know God. It was as simple as that. He would look out on a crowd and go, there's people that don't know God, don't know his love and mercy. And then he would see other people who knew God and maybe had it wrong. But Jesus taught and he he taught how and he himself cared for and loved people. He was attractive to people, even again, people who didn't like him. He didn't see the differences that we do economically and socially, spiritually, or racially. So as we finish this series, let me ask you a question. Who do you hate? Welcome to church, right? <laughs> Who do you hate? Or maybe hate's just sort of a, too strong of a word. Who do you, when you think of them or you see them or you think of the people group or category or whatever, who do you kind of just roll your eyes and go, oh, the world would be better if they fell off of it, you know, kind of thing. For you and for me, we have people that we don't like, that are different from us. And we often, the difference is we often place them in categories and we assume that they are a certain way. And these categories of people, there are categories in people, uh, of people in your life that for whatever reason, 
you just don't like, and your categories might be different from mine. I might like somebody or, or a people group, and you're like, I can't stand them kind of thing. Maybe in school, maybe you're in school, and there are those athletes who just think they're the cat's meow. How many of you remember that phrase, cat? I don't think, we don't say that anymore, do we? I love it. I'm old. Um, or maybe there's, at school, maybe there's that outside nerdy weird group. Maybe it's people who seem to be so stuck in their ways and you can't stand that they're so inflexible and close-minded. Maybe it's people who make a lot of money and you just don't think it's fair. Maybe it's people who are poor and you see them as lazy or working the system. Maybe it's people who are different from you in religion or, or, uh, or color or belief system and you don't like them just simply because of their differences. You don't know who they are, but you place them in categories. When I was a junior in high school, um, somehow or another, I became friends with, like, anybody remember, this is old too, remember uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High? Yeah, I wasn't Spicoli. Uh, (laughs) But you know how every bad high school movie always just is so typical, bad writing, it's just... The, the, the athlete kind of captain of the football team guy, you know, and then there's like the people everybody beats up on. You know, it's just so typical. But for whatever reason, when I was a junior in high school, I became friends with that, that really popular guy. Dan Young is his name. He was the captain of the football team, good-looking guy. Would, was not, every teacher loved him, even though he, he just lied to them all the time. You know, girls loved him. You know, he's that kind of guy. And then there was me. I mean, I was in choir. And, and drama, there's nothing wrong with that. I played tennis. I loved it. You know, there was nothing. But for whatever reason, we ended up just hanging out together all the time, and we had a, we had a blast together. And I remember we were driving around one night, and we were laughing at something that was probably inappropriate. Um, it was high school. And so we're, we're laughing. And I remember as we're driving, Dan turns to me, and he says this. He goes, you know, Todd, I don't care what everybody else says. You're pretty cool. <laughs> like, really? Church, listen. God knows that part of us as fallen, sinful human beings, that we will always have prejudices, we will always have categories. No matter how hard we try, it's part of human nature to separate ourselves. Um, It's never going to go away. But God also says that even in these perceived differences, you as Christ followers especially, we should be taking the lead on this. You are to, we are to shine his light of love no matter what the category, no matter what the difference. Even in the categories, we're called to to do what Jesus did and to simply love. It doesn't mean we have to like everybody, but we do, we are called as Christ followers to be examples of his love. So how do we bridge or how do we cross the bridge of all these perceived differences that we have? And think about somebody maybe right now. Think about somebody that you just can't, you just, you roll your eyes. Maybe it's somebody at work, somebody you know. Maybe it's a people group. Maybe it's a Democrat or a Republican, Trump haters, Trump lovers. I don't know, whatever it is. Think of a group that you just kind of go, arr, okay? So how do we cross the bridge of perceived differences. Well, let me just give you a couple of ideas. And actually, Pastor Tim and I are using the the exact same kind of outline. So both of our campuses are hearing basically the same message. First is this. 
you recognize that there's no real differences between people as God sees us. When God looks out at the landscape of humanity, for Him, there are no real differences. We are all made in His image, we, and we are also all sinners in need of a Savior. Our value to God is in Him making us in His image and being redeemed through Christ. Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned. All of us are in the same boat and fall short of his glory, which means that the Muslim in Iraq has the same humanity that you and I do in this room. There is no, in God's eyes, there is no difference. Humans, whom I love, God says, who all need the Savior. There's no distinction for him like there is for us. We treat people differently based on those labels and categories, religions, if you will, but he doesn't. Jesus didn't come to die just for Christians. <laughs> he came to die for the whole world. Secondly is this. We recognize that Jesus himself became human. He became as one of us. That's the, the, the whole point of the, the incarnation, isn't that Jesus w- was born to become a Jewish person. He was born to be human and identify with us as brothers and sisters. Thirdly is this, we recognize that God's plan and purpose since the beginning is to bring all people together in unity in Him, in Christ, regardless of the perceived differences. There's a, there's a verse in Isaiah, Isaiah 56, starting in verse 1. Um, I won't put it up, up there, but basically the verse is talking about Um, It says this, don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, and this is the foreigners talking now, the Lord will never let me be part of his people. God says this, I will bless the foreigners who who commit themselves to the Lord, who serve him and who who, um, honor the Sabbath day, who hold my covenant. The sovereign Lord who brings the outcasts of Israel says this, I will bring others to other than the Israelites. So God is in the business of unifying everybody, the whole, all of creation, in and through Christ. Fourth is this. We recognize that customs and uh, traditions and culture are really, for God, they're really not distinctions in God's eyes. There's a verse in, um, or there's a story in Matthew 15 uh, that comes off as completely opposite of what we just said, of what Jesus did and how he treated somebody. Jesus left um, the, this Galilee area that he's, he had been teaching in, and it's the only time that we have recorded in the Gospels where Jesus leaves a Jewish area completely to go away from Jews. It's the only time. Matthew 15, Jesus left Galilee, went north to, to the region of Tyre and Sidon, A Gentile woman, somebody who wasn't a a Jewish person, a Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. And then Jesus really has this weird response to her. Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. So here you have, and he's just like, you know, completely turns away from her. The disciples saw this, and, and they get mad at this lady. They urged Jesus to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. So she was hounding them. 
Then a couple of verses later, Jesus says this. Jesus uh, said to the woman, finally turns to the woman and says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came in worship, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to their dogs. Doesn't that seem weird? I mean, this is, all throughout Scripture, we're, ta- we're talking about God unifying. Here, Jesus doesn't even talk to this, this woman at first, and then says this horrible thing of calling her basically a dog. And in that culture, that was one of the worst things that you could call somebody, because the, the, the dogs back then were scavengers in the alleys. They were skinny, they were mangy, they were dangerous, actually. They would attack you. They would actually eat children left unattended because they're scavengers. Um, and so the, the Jews actually would speak about Gentile dogs, infidel dogs. And when Christians, Christianity rose in popularity, they would call Christians Christian dogs. And again, they were just this, these scavengers. But there's two things to remember. First of all, um, isn't it true that the tone in which you say something really matters? It's, it's, it's not what you, we always say to our kids, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And then I go, but it is what you say. <laughs> I mean, a thing that could seem so hard can, can just be changed with a disarming smile. You know, you look at a friend, oh, that old rascal. You know, it's just kind of a, a playful term. Or if you're from down south, there's a phrase that we use down south. I used to live in Houston, Arizona. We use this phrase all the time. Um, and... It sounds nice, but it ain't. Anybody know what the phrase is? Thank you. Bless her heart. Like if you're talking about somebody and you go, bless their heart, you're basically saying, she's an idiot. You know, that's really what that phrase means. So if somebody says, oh, bless your heart, what? So now you know. Um, but... So it is kind of how you say something, but we can be, we can be sure by the text that when, when, she's, when Jesus is calling this woman a dog, he's using a different word. He's using the, the word that, that, that um, correlates to a household pet. He's not talking about the scavenging dogs. He's talking about this wonderful family member called the pet. So basically, Jesus is saying, ma'am, it's not right to take food from your kids and throw it to Fufu or Fifi. Right? And, and what you have to understand, too, we don't get it just kind of reading the text. Everyone's laughing right now as, as this conversation is going. Everyone's kind of chuckling at this because then she replies, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath the master's table. This was actually a joke. Everybody hearing this in the context at this time would be, they'd all be like, oh, <laughs> they'd start laughing at what she just said and this little banter going back and forth. And so Jesus just sort of lit up with joy because of this woman's faith. And she even says, dear woman, and he's laughing, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed instantly. That's the context. That's the background to this, this story that seems so opposite of who Jesus, or who we teach that Jesus is. And what matters isn't that this Canaanite woman um, what matters about her isn't that she was unclean under the law or, or that she was a woman and she just wasn't part of the group. What matters for God and what for Jesus is that Jesus sees her heart. Jesus sees your heart. That's what he looks at. 
I love Nicole's illustration. It's, it's the egg, you know, it's, it's not the outside, it's the inside. All throughout Scripture, he talks about this. It's the inside that matters. So how do we then, as we close out this series, how do we cross these kind of bridges? And, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give my opinion. Paul in 1 Corinthians has a whole laundry list of different things uh, that we do. So I'm just going to read a couple of them just, just quickly um, and then get to one that I really want um, want us to remember for today. So in, in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about, answers the question, how do we cross this bridge of all these differences and categories and rolling our eyes at everybody? Um, first of all, I just stay off of Facebook. That would be, that'd be a good one to start. Um, that's not in 1 Corinthians. Um, so the first thing is this. We recognize what we just talked about. All of us have a common humanity and a common value. All people are valued because Jesus died for God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. Most people in the world want to live in peace. Most people in the world want to raise their kids. Um, even the, Jesus, the woman that Jesus encountered, right? Uh, we were watching, there was a movie, um, maybe you've seen it. It's called 13 Hours. Raise your hand if you've seen that movie. It's called 13 Hours. Okay, so it's about the whole Benghazi thing that happened a couple years ago, and it's apolitical. It doesn't, it doesn't talk about the politics. It just focuses on what happened that night, that, thir- that 13 hours. Fantastic movie, gory and bloody, but it's really, really good. Um, and what happened with that was, you know, there's a small group of people that attacked the, the consulate and the, the annex and um, killed some, it was just, you know, this battle kind of thing. But the whole rest of the area in the country after um, Chris Stevens, who was the ambassador, was killed, they came out and basically m- mourned because 